Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Your spirit, your word, and your presence here. Lord, those three things in combination are what do a wonderful work in us. And Lord, so as we are here, we pray that we would be like clay on a potter's wheel and that you would leave your fingerprints all over us. And Lord, that we would be molded and shaped into the men and the women that we should be for your honor and glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen Amen. and amen. Well, in our culture, there are a growing group of people who call themselves preppers. Say that name out loud. What? Preppers. Preppers prepare religiously, stockpiling food and water and supplies and medicine and guns and ammunition. And preppers train and practice for any number of national disasters or emergencies. Um, you know, that might come their way. Preppers prepare for earthquakes or EMPs, which is an electromagnetic pulse, or solar flares. They prepare for, um, you know, global economic collapse, and some of them even prepare for the zombie apocalypse. People be tripping. Go ahead and say it out loud. People be tripping, you know, yeah. While some of these events seem completely unlikely, there is an event that Jesus asked us Christians to prepare for. An event that can happen at any moment. Jesus said no one knows the day nor the hour of this event, not even Him. Only the Father. The surprise event is called the rapture. Everybody say it out loud. What? The rapture. Now, listen. Rapture is not a men's cologne. Uh, Rapture is not to be caught up with emotion, but to be caught up with Jesus. That's what the word rapture means. Before Jesus left this earth, three and a half years of ministry, walked around healing, touching, ministering to people, but before He left... On the last few days, he told his disciples, I'll be back, right? Look, In fact, look at your neighbor and say, he'll be back. That's what he said, I'll be back. In fact, here's the promise. Jesus promised he'd be back for his disciples. John chapter 14, verse 1. Here's what it says. Read it with me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, out loud. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Does that sound awesome? Perfect promise, right? Awesome promise. So Jesus, before he leaves, he says, hey, listen, I'm going to be back. I'm going to come back for you. And then the Bible reveals many details regarding this event called the rapture, where he's going to come back and catch us away. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16 says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, 
with a voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, the word is raptured, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we shall be always or always be with the Lord. Sounds awesome. Another detail about the rapture is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here's what it says. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died in Christ will be raised to live forever. And we who are living in Christ will also be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. So, Jesus says, hey, listen, Jesus told us, before, I, before he left, I'm going to come back for you. Then the Bible gives us these details about the event and what's going to happen. In, at an undisclosed time, Jesus is going to split the heavens. An angel will blow the trumpet and shout. And the dead believers whose spirits have been in heaven this, all this time, they will return to their graves where waiting for them will be a glorified body. So understand, as believers, when we die, when we pass, our spirit, as believers, goes to be with the Lord. In fact, Paul explained it, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So at the minute we pass, when we cross that threshold, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. But our body remains here. It gets put in the ground, it gets burned, ashes are distributed, uh, whether in the wilderness or in the water or wherever that might be. But the point is the body stays here. So what we know is believers who pass, what's going to happen, their spirits are going to be in heaven. And on this day, Jesus is going to part the clouds. The angel is going to blow the trumpet and shout. And those spirits, people who have believers who have died before, are going to come down at their grave or wherever those ashes are. And God is going to take the DNA from that those ashes, the body that remained, and he is going to make or compose a Glorified body. Isn't that cool? A glorified, wherever it's at, a glorified body. We Christians who are alive during that event, when those spirits come down from heaven and get their bodies, but we will be transformed in a blink of an eye. This body will be transformed into a glorified body and we will all be caught up to be together with the Lord forever. And that sound good? That's a good place to clap, actually. So, yeah, it's awesome. So all believers will get a body that's compatible for heaven. A body like Jesus' body after His resurrection. It will consist of flesh and bone, and it can be handled, but it won't be needing the constant maintenance that you need to give it now. Because this body we got here is a lemon. Look at your neighbor and say, a lemon. 
Hey, it's a lemon. In fact, consider a senior citizen who posted a personal ad on a senior center bulletin board. The caption read, Mint condition. 1932 male, high mileage, good condition. Some hair and many new parts, including hip, knee, cornea, and valves. Isn't in running condition, but walks well. (laughs) Call Sunset Assisted Living and ask for Artie. Buddy, we got a lemon. We're all headed there. Well, when Jesus comes and transforms our mortal bodies, we won't need sleep or food or aging creams or juicers or treadmills or vitamins or energy drinks, right? When we get that glorified body, you won't need whatever it is that's holding you together right now. Like girdles and braces and walkers and bifocals and fixident and Lipitor and Prysolec and Metformin. No more, thank God, right? Yeah. In, in one one hundredth of a second when Jesus parts the clouds, every believer, dead or alive, will be changed. Everybody say it will be what? Changed. From corruptible to incorruptible. From mortal to immortality. Then we will all vanish without a trace, caught up to be with the Lord forever. Isn't that awesome? Woo! Yeah. Well, the Lord revealed and published the details of this event called the rapture so that we would be looking for it. So that we would be planning and preparing for it. So that we would be preppers. Look at your neighbor and say, preppers. So Jesus says, I'm going to go away, but don't worry, I'm going to come back for you. Then the Bible describes all of this, how this event is going to come, is going to take place when he comes back for us. And Jesus, even before he left, taught on it and said, Hey, listen, I want you to be prepared for this event. All right? He told us, I want you to be prepared. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus taught us how to be rapture ready. And the first thing he tells us to do is this. Everybody say it out loud. What? Be be watchful. All right? First thing he tells us. Luke chapter 12, look at verse 35, and here's what it says. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their masters when he will return from the wedding, that when, that when he becomes, uh, when he comes, he knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in a second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. Everybody said out loud, be what? Be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. I like it. 
So Jesus says, I want you to be preppers. And I want you to be watchful. This is the first thing you should do. Be watchful. Jesus was telling us to be on the lookout. To have a sense of anticipation for this event. He tells us that, you know, in that culture, we, you know, they, the servants couldn't call Southwest Airlines or call Greyhound Bus or call Amtrak to find out what time their arrival, the, the arrival of the master is. They, they couldn't find that out. They had no cell phones or trail cams with notification apps to let them know that the master was on their way to kind of prepare them. No. They needed to be ready. They needed to be on the lookout and prepared for their master's return at any moment. Eyes focused, attention fixed. And Jesus is saying, we need to do the same. I'm coming back for you. Hey, listen, these are the details. It's going to happen in a blink of an eye. And I want you to be watchful, prepared. I want you to be looking. I want you to have anticipation. Jesus is saying, Jesus said that we won't know the day nor the hour of his coming, but we will be able to discern the times, all right? The signs of the times. Everybody say it out loud, the what? So, I'm going to come back. You won't know the day or the hour, but you will be able to know the signs, or you will see the signs of the times. That's interesting. There is one very specific prophecy in the Bible about what will happen immediately after the rapture of the church. Immediately after the rapture of the church, there is going to be something that takes place. Ezekiel, the Old Testament prophet, in chapter 38 and verse 14, predicts what's going to happen immediately following the rapture. He says that Russia... Iran, Syria, China, Turkey, and a couple of other countries will come together to invade Israel. So right after the rapture of the church, something's going to take place. There's going to be an invasion of Israel by several countries. Now, if you've been watching the news lately, you know this kind of looks like it's unfolding pretty quick. Right now, Russia, Iran, China, and Cuba have soldiers in Syria. Wow! Ezekiel said in his prophecy that God is going to lure Russia down from the north to Israel. So what's the lure? What what would God use to lure Israel? What's the lure? Well, Vladimir Putin says he's in Syria because he wants to bring stability to the Middle East. Which, by the way, sounds exactly like what the Antichrist wants to do. Now, I'm not saying that Vladimir Putin is the Antichrist. But I do know that many Iranians and Syrians are already claiming that he is the Mahdi, the Anointed One. Isn't that interesting? So, is the stability of the Middle East and the claim to destroy ISIS the real reason Russia is being drawn into Israel? Everybody say, no. 
Some of you remember a great news commentator called Paul Harvey. Some of you remember him, right? He's just from up the road in Tulsa. Well, Paul Harvey used to come on the radio and say, Hello, Americans. You've heard the news. Now hear the rest of the story, right? Well, I'm going to be your Paul Harvey this morning. And I'm going to give you the rest of the story. The real reason Russia's in Syria is because recently the largest oil reserve in the world ever has just been tapped in northern Israel, in the Golan Heights. That is the property that is right above its borders. It's Israel's country, but it borders the Syrian, the Syrian uh, country. So the idea is, is that the largest oil reserve ever has been found there. It's ten times the normal find of liquid petroleum. All right? So it's just been recently found there. Well, listen, guys. Vladimir Putin wants that oil. You see, Russia relies on income from their oil export. With oil prices already dropping, Russia right now is on the verge of a great depression. If the oil in Israel hits the market, prices will drop even further on the barrel of oil and it will starve Russia to death. So Vladimir needs the oil. And that's the reason he's in Syria. He's after the oil. Everybody said, what? The oil. So what's the lure that is bringing Russia into the Middle East? The oil. That oil will lead to the Gog, Russia, and Magog, Iran, invasion of Israel that Ezekiel was talking about. So guys, Ezekiel predicted that it would happen in the end of days. And that's the rest of the story. So if things that are supposed to happen immediately after the rapture are beginning to line up, what does the sign tell us? Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Do you know the song? Soon and very soon, We are going to see the king, right? That's what it's telling us. So Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm going to come back for you. The event is going to take place at an undisclosed time and it's going to be immediate. So I want you to be watchful. But the text also said, I want you to keep your lamps burning. Say that out loud. Your what? Lamps burning, all right? Meaning that talking about passion, excitement, anticipation. I have been accused many times of being very passionate, being very much excited about God's Word. But listen, there's a reason. Hey, the reason is we're supposed to be. Jesus asked us to keep our lights burning, our lamps burning, the passion glowing. So look at your neighbor and say, hey, get with it. Just look at him. Hey, get with it. Lamps burning. Be anticipate, have anticipation. You know, every Christmas Eve, 
our grandkids will fight Mr. Sandman. We have two grandkids, one seven, one, one three. And we have uh, our grandkids every Christmas Eve will fight Mr. Sandman just because they don't want to miss the event. Opening gifts at midnight on Christmas Eve. Every few minutes they ask, is it time? Is it time? They keep one eye on, you know, the tree laden with gifts and one eye on the clock. Is it almost, is it almost time? I hear the older tell the younger, stay awake, don't fall asleep. You know what she's saying? Don't miss the party. Say it out loud. Don't miss the party. Well, our older brother, the Apostle Paul, is doing the same thing for us. Keeping us awake, saying, don't miss the party. Watch the verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6. Read it out loud with me. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Watch for his return and stay sober. I'm going to read it again because you guys kind of look like deer in the headlights. Here we go. Be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Watch for his return and stay sober. Now the world and the enemy are working overtime to entertain us, to distract us, to intoxicate us with the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things. So we have to not pay attention to that. Everybody say it out loud. What? Not pay attention. Don't pay attention. Jesus said, I'm coming back. It's an undisclosed time. I want you to be watchful. I want you to keep your lamps burning. And then he goes on and he says, hey, listen, there's going to be an enemy out there that is trying to distract you from keeping focused, from staying passionate. That enemy's doing everything he can to uh, distract you and to pull you away. Don't let, don't pay attention to those things or you'll end up like these guys. Here it is. Here's the picture. Watch this, huh? Oh, you're getting it. Yeah. The nine o'clock people, they missed it. They, they stared at it and said, huh, huh? You got it. Don't be left behind. Say it out loud. Don't be left. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't be left behind. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, listen, don't be left behind. So Jesus says, I'm coming for you. Undisclosed time, you be watchful, be rapture ready. Here's the second thing Jesus tells us to do. Everybody say it out loud. All right, so be watchful, be passionate, be excited, be anticipating, but also stay busy. Here's the verse, chapter 12, verse 41. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant who his master will find so doing when he comes. 
Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk or abuse the time that his master is gone, the master of the servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint his portion with the unbelievers and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes and you can just say ouch so Jesus says hey listen I want you to be watchful I want you to be passionate but I also want you to stay busy and Jesus again uses servants as an illustration Because it's a perfect picture of our current condition. We're not only children of the Lord, but we are servants of the Lord. We have a responsibility as lights here to illuminate the darkness, right? And so he says, I want you to stay busy. Be be my servant. Uh, You know, at Jesus' ascension, you know, that's when Jesus ascended to the Father. After his resurrection, he stayed 40 days with his disciples. And then there was the ascension. At that ascension, Jesus gave his disciples a to-do list. Everybody say that out loud. A what? A to-do list. That is, every one of us, since his ascension, every Christian from then to now has the same to-do list. Now, I know we're not always real keen about to-do lists, but there are only three things for us Christians to do until he comes back for us. Three things. Number one is, everybody said out loud, draw near to the Lord. When Jesus ascended, he said, go back to Jerusalem, to the upper room. That was church. Go back to church. Go back to the place where you are learning the master's will. Go back to the place of study. to uh, Where you study, where you pray, where you'll be filled. Get back to church. Church is an important place for us, isn't it? Church is the place where we learn God's word and we learn God's will so that we're able and we learn, we're able to reflect it out in the world. So church isn't the end. It's not like our circumstances before we were saved brought us to this place. We surrendered to the Lord and now Praise the Lord. That's it. No way. This is the beginning. Everybody said it's the what? Just the beginning. Church is just the beginning. Go back. Get closer with the Lord. Draw close to Him. That was the first thing on His to-do list. Number two is what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus ascended, He said, Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will, in in fact, be empowered so that you're able to do something. But be filled. So the idea is is that the Holy Spirit helps us grow into Christ's likeness. So Jesus says, hey, listen, get back to the church. Keep getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is like a coach. And He coaches us up from justification 
through the process of sanctification all the way to glorification. You guys got that? So the Holy Spirit brings us to Christ and then we get saved and we are justified just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. He does that process and then he takes us through the process of sanctification which hurts by the way because it means giving up some stuff and it means adding some stuff. Add to your faith, right? Moral character. Add to your faith, patience. Add to your faith. Add, 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 add. Look at your neighbor and say, add. That will be growing. So he brings us through the process of sanctification until glorification. And that is the day Jesus comes and we get raptured away. Or the day we cross from this life into the next. But he brings us all the way through. Isn't that cool? So be filled constantly. It's an ongoing thing. It's not a, being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time event. It is a constant lifestyle. All right, so understand that. So Jesus says, that's the second thing I want you to do until I come back. Here's the third thing. Everybody said out loud, what? Be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit will empower you to be my witnesses. For you to go into Judea and, and, and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And Lubbock would be considered the uttermost parts, right? Not the end, but, you know... He said, be my witnesses. Go love and share and teach and serve. Reflect Jesus all the time, everywhere. Everybody say those two words. All the time, everywhere. Not just at church, but at work, at Walmart, when you're shopping, when you're driving, you know, at school. He says, Hey, reflect Him everywhere. Be my witnesses, he says. In fact, Paul told us this way, Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. Read this out loud with me. Provide people with a glimpse of faith and godly living. Carry the light-giving message into the darkness. Wow. So after the to-do list, Jesus, on that day... He says, hey, listen, I'm every believer, give you the to-do list, three things you have to do. And then he started ascending to the Father until he disappeared. 500 disciples were watching it. They were just looking and staring and waiting. Is he going to come back? What do you think? They're kind of like a dog at a new pan. Huh? Two angels show up and they say, what are you guys still doing here? They said, get your motor running. No, 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 they, they didn't say that. Get out on the highway. They, they, well, kind of, they did say that, didn't they? You heard the master, the angel said, saddle up. Look at your neighbor and say, saddle up. Go be a witness, saddle up. Until Jesus comes, he wants us to keep busy doing His work. And doing His work will put you at odds with the devil and his minions. How many of you know that? Alright, so now you're going to get busy, but guess what? You're going to have some opposition. 
The opposing team, the devil and his minions, are going to do everything they can to stop you. They will harass you, provoke you, attack you, test you, tempt you. They will do just about anything to get you off your game, or better yet, to get you off the field. That's what they will do. So expect it. Look at your neighbor and say, expect it. Expect it. But Jesus said working for him is not only going to put you at odds with the other team, the opposing team, the devil and his minions, but it will also put you at odds with your family and friends. Continue reading what Jesus said in chapter 12, verse 49. He said, I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it was already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. He's talking about his death. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-laws against her mother-in-law. Division. Jesus says, hey, listen, the opposition of you going out and doing my work is not only going to come from the devil, that's for sure. But you might even have this sense of opposition or be at odds with family and friends. If you've been experiencing tension, hostility, rejection, and persecution from your family because you're working for the Lord, because you're sharing your faith, because you volunteer at church, you know, if you do, if you're experiencing that tension, you're in good company, right? If your friends are saying, you're going to go to church again? If, you're, if your family is saying, you're going to go over there again and, and, and you're going to do what now? You don't even clean your own house. You're going to go clap at the church? Huh? If you're getting that kind of tension, listen guys. Everyone who has ever worked for the Lord, every workman before you has felt your pain. Noah faced fierce persecution for building an ark. Joseph was rejected for thinking that God could use him in a great way. David's wife ridiculed him and criticized his enthusiasm for God. Remember as he's dancing before the ark, dancing before the Lord, he's oblivious to himself. His outer garment fell off and he's dancing there in his underwear. When he gets home, his wife says, Weren't you just the sight in front of all the ladies? He wasn't doing it for that. He was doing it for the Lord. He was oblivious to all the rest. You know, Jeremiah was thrown into a dry well for sharing God's word. Daniel was thrown into a den of hungry lions. And the list goes on and on and on. The Bible says all who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. Hey, listen, you don't even have to live godly. Just desire Just say, you know what? I'm going to start going to church on Wednesday nights. All hell will break loose. Huh? But even if it does, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't be scandalized. And don't lose your cool or blow your testimony. 
Because, you know, we get defensive, argumentative, combative sometimes. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope he's not talking about you. Just look at him and tell him that. Huh? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5. Here it is. Read it with me. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. What is it? Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You're in good company. So listen. Let's be rapture ready. Let's be watching. Let's be working. And here's the third one. And last one. I know you're waiting for it. Let's be waiting. Everybody said waiting. Because, you know, most of us are impatient by nature. I have rarely run into a person who is extremely patient. Now, I'm sure in the group like this, at least one of you would say, oh, yeah, I'm extremely patient. Sure you are. But waiting we got to wait for the Lord. You know, most of us don't like to wait. You know, lines at the signal light, can't just wait. You know, person in front of you has gone, been, been green for, you know, one one-hundredth of a second. Move, come on, what's with you? Huh? Lines at, the, at Walmart, you know. Lines, you know, at the restaurant. And hey, McDonald's has heard you. They have installed kiosks so that you can avoid the line. Yet with all the technology and innovations, we can still be seen tapping our finger on the counter, moving our leg restlessly, right? We can still be seen, you know, shifting in our seat like you got worms or something. (laughs) Impatient. Well, even some Christians, when Jesus, when the announcement was going around and teachings were going around, Jesus promised he's going to come back. Even Christians were growing impatient with Jesus' promised return. Well, when is he going to come? I mean, he should have come already. Ooh, forget it. He's probably not going to come. Well, Peter's congregation was in fact, acting like that. They were all cherry-eyed and probably singing that depressing song by Taylor Swift. You know, it's a, it's a fairy tale and now it's too late for you and your white horse, you know, to come around. <sighs> Here's what Peter told them. Peter said, listen, Jesus' delay is not because he has forgotten or abandoned us. It's quite the contrary. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, read it with me. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. So they were saying, oh, he's probably not coming. It probably, you know, you probably got it wrong. I don't think he's coming anymore. The prince on the white horse is not going to show. You're just, just, just a fairy tale. 
But Peter says, hey, wait a minute, pump your brakes. Look at your neighbor and say, pump your brakes. The reason that he delays his coming is so that more people can be saved. So that more people can, be, can come to repentance. In fact, I am so glad that he has waited this long because many more people, myself included, have come to the Lord since because of his delay, because of his you know, patience and long-suffering. Aren't you? you glad that he delayed long enough for you to make it into God's kingdom? And I'm sure some of you are saying, thank God. But Lord, I'm praying for my family members. I know sometimes we get impatient. Oh Lord, I wish you'd just come. I wish you would just come and take me away and rapture me out of all this mess and these kids and these problems and these circumstances, right? Look at your neighbor and say, shame on you. Think it's all about you. He hasn't come because he wants many more to come to repentance. Yeah, that's a good place to shout right there. Yes. Many more. But don't, but don't be misunderstood. The prince on the white horse will come. In fact, do you know what Jesus' last words to us were? Now, Jesus' last words are not found in any of the Gospels. Jesus' last words are not found in the book of Acts. Jesus' last words are found in the last book of the Bible, the last chapter, Revelation chapter 22. And Jesus says this. Here it is. Here's what he says. Behold, I come quickly. Say it out loud. Behold, I come quickly. Now the word quickly doesn't mean in time. The word quickly means in speed. The meaning, the fact that he's prolonging his time to come, but when it happens, it's going to happen just like that. So be prepared. Be a prepper. Watching, working, and waiting patiently. Not impatiently, all right? Waiting patiently for his return, knowing that he's prolonging his coming so that others in your family and in your sphere of influence can be saved. And listen, you are the only Bible some of them will ever read. So you need to be that light and you need to show them that God, the the transformation in your life. Show them that and they listen because behold, he is coming quickly. So are you rapture ready? Kind of, sort of. Our congregation will be stomping their feet and raising their hands. Yes! So you got to do the same. You got to be ready. Are you ready? All right. Here here we go. Father, we want to say thank you for preparing us for your coming. I pray, Father, that this message would put a fire beneath our feet, a fire within our soul, to remember and always reflect your passion. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be what we need to be for such a time as this. Time is short. 
And your coming will be quick, fast, and furious. And so, Father, I pray that we will not only be ready, but we will be working in helping others to find you and come along on this wonderful, beautiful journey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.